Hi guys, this is Pepper, and you're listening to Clustered. This week's topic is short stories. Once again, I want to remind you guys that you can support the podcast by using listener support. That helps me pay for things I need for the podcast for mic quality and chairs, but that's it. That's all I'm saying. Thanks. So for this episode, since we're doing short stories, and I'm sure you guys are a little sick of hearing my voice constantly complain in your ears, I figured I'd just read you some short stories um, that I've written uh, for you to enjoy or hate. If you hate them, let me know. If you like them, let me know. Um, If my voice work needs work, let me know. Either way, Um, I hope you enjoy this episode. It's a little shorter than normal, but um, I feel like you get kind of a good idea on how I play D&D. These are based on my D&D characters, which I don't know if you've listened to my D&D episode. It's one episode back. No, two episodes back. Sorry. It's number nine. And um, so go back and listen to it and let me know what you guys think and how this, if this helps you Want to play D&D, become a D&Der, become a DMer, I don't know, whatever you're feeling. Um, but yeah, uh, this was really fun for me. I really enjoyed this. Um, I, yeah, I had a good time. So I hope you guys had a great time. Thank you so much for listening to Clustered. We are in double digits now. I'm sorry I forgot to say something on the last episode. We are in episode 11. I'm shook as the hip kids say. So yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting me. I'm sorry that my phone just went off. Um, so yeah, thanks guys. Appreciate your existences. Thank you. Bye. The first short story is called Poe the Tiefling. Poe does not remember the who or the why. She remembers wandering without reason, unsure why. She remembers walking around and stumbling until she found a druid camp as a young child. The druids are so sweet. They allow her in and share their magic and feelings with her. After Poe finds the druid camp, a few of the druids are suspicious of the little red tiefling. However, there is one, the high priestess, who welcomes her warmly. The high priestess allows her falcon familiar to become close to Poe, and Poe eventually finds out that the falcon is in fact another strong druid. However, it does not change out of its falcon form, even at camp mealtimes. When asked, all the druids answer the same. The falcon has been here since they have been here, and has always been a falcon. Poe lives with the druids for several years until she has trained enough to go on her pilgrimage. The druids call it her Raskata, her reason. Poe is so nervous as she heads out. The falcon follows her for as long as it can. She travels throughout the nature, looking for a town to settle in and become the resident druid as she comes into her own. She finds a town and heads to into the local tavern to find a room for the night before she finds her own home or perhaps, since it is so close to the forest, build her own home. She settles into the tavern, ordering food as she is starving when two humans come in from the outside. 
They are not well received by the locals already in the tavern as they head to the bar for drinks. Poe attempts to shrink down in her chair, wishing now that before going on the pilgrimage, learning how to become a beast was allowed. She could turn into a rat or a snake and make her way out of here unnoticed. Luckily, just then, the sweet little gnome server brings her her food. It is steaming and warms her nerves as she listens for the locals' reactions and the words of the adventurers. As the two adventurers settle at the bar, she notices the smaller of the two men is actually quite cute, and notices the slope of his human nose and the lith of the smile on his cheeks as the larger adventurer makes him laugh. He removes his gear and rests it at his feet. Poe gazes at it a little too long, and he notices her stare. The human looks towards her, the other human noticing his gaze as well. They are both looking at her now. She looks down. She eats. They turn back, going back to their conversation. When Poe heads upstairs, they follow her upstairs to their own room. She closes her door, sits down, and takes time to pray and relax. However, she can't help thinking of the human and his sloping nose. She is smitten. When Poe wakes, she heads downstairs to get some breakfast and then go out house hunting. When she walks out of the tavern, she sees the hu two humans walking around the town, perhaps in search of a blacksmith or something of the sort, perhaps a potion maker or someone who sells wares. Again, she turns away before she is caught staring. She finds some open homes, although none of them say poetry, so she moves on. She ends up doing a circle and heading out of the town to check out the outskirts. As she moves across the terrain, the trees and the animals welcoming her, her skin gets chilly. She almost turns back, but fights the urge, allowing the idea that she is merely fausseur about the whole thing, as the high priestess would say. As she breaks into a clearing, she finds two goblins cackling as they hold a winged creature on the ground, trapping it with ropes. The creature whimpers, fighting, but unable to get away. Poe reaches for her scimitar as the larger of the two goblins raises its head and its nostrils flare. It freezes, looking and hissing something foreign to the other. Pro freezes, preparing herself to fight the attack of the two goblins. Nothing, however, prepares her for the two goblins' oddly organized attack. They rush her after they shove stakes into the ground, pinning the creature, who begins to move frantically, close to injury. Poe shouts to the creature that everything is fine as the goblins prepare to stab at her legs and shriek in goblin. She gets a few lucky hits off before they overrun her. She screams as the world around her begins to blacken. Her eyes begin to close and she sees the same sloped nose close by her face as a gentle voice fills her ears. Hold on. It says, the second story is called Kaimora. Kaimora was born in another land, not close to the land where Kaimora lives now. 
She was only three years old when she and her mother were captured from her fur bog tribe while on a foraging trip. They were taken onto a ship and brought to the New World. Katamura's mother, however, did not survive the trip, falling right before they reached their new home. The other slaves of the ship are too overwhelmed by their own despair and do not comfort Kaimura as she moves her, mourns her mother. At the new land, all the slaves are corralled together for auction. Kaimura is the only child present. No, is it, no one is interested in buying her, even when the auctioneer lowers the price several times. In the end, she is gathered in a deal that the auctioneer gives an elf from the house of Latroy when he buys two slaves. When she arrives at House Latroy, she is not received well. She is given to the head of the family, Singram, an older elf. He is not pleased, regardless of her price. She is thus heeded very little and sent to help his second son, Tanis. Tanis is 13 when Kaimora shows up. At first, he holds a bit of disdain, disdain for her until he learns that she will follow his every command. Once he begins to enjoy her company, Singram keeps her in what used to be Tanis's playground, so that she is always there for them. She stays with him until he is 28 years old, watching him fail as a candidate for becoming the arcane heir of the family. This causes Singram and Talis to have another baby, a replacement, and Tanis to feel great anger and envy that his dedication and work has not come to fruition. Kaimura tries her best to be more helpful during this time, feeling Tanis's pain. He mostly just forces her away, raging regularly and focusing more on magic, vowing that although he is not gifted or strong enough for the ritual, he will become stronger. As Tanis's younger brother, Elcadius, begins to show more promise, Tanis's resentment grows and he begins to realize that he only cares for the awkward, large, furbog slave girl. Before he can really begin to show love and care for Kaimora, she is commandeered by Singram to join Elcadius. This separation is painful for Kaimora, as she cares for Tanis and is comfortable with him. Importantly, though, she does not reciprocate his feelings for her. It is also painful for Tanis and only makes him angrier. Singram does not put the two together ever again. Once Alcadius is no longer in need of Kaimura's constant care, she is passed to Manus and Hollis, the two youngest Latroy children, and is able to learn combat training and used as a sparring partner. She still returns to Alcadius often. When Elcadius is arranged to be married, it is after Ta Singram and Talis give up on marrying off their second son, as only with age has he gotten more dislikable. They attempt to arrange a marriage before, however, Tanis fights every single one. Kaimura accompanies Elcadius to every single family meeting. However, she and Tanis can only see each other from across the room for moments before she is sent away. Sonora is the first and only adopted child of a young, tough paladin woman by the name of Elka Brightwood of Taros and of Tiev Yaldrin, 
an older traveling half-elf cleric whose origin is not known. Tiev and Elka attempted to have children for many years before the interesting baby girl was found by them. Originally thought to be found out on one of the mountains north of Teros, Sonora later found out that her parents did not find her on the mountain, as she was told when her and her band of adventurers traveled to the other continent and meet an old cleric in the Platinum Sanctuary. The old cleric spent a tale of a chosen one with obsidian skin and her odd husband, who was never quite right. Feeling that this chosen woman was her mother, Sonora went home and confronted her father and found out that, in fact, one night Tiev was walking through Taros on the way home from the chapel, and a young, hysterical drow woman shoved a bundled baby in his arms and begged him to protect the babe. Tiev, of course, accepted, and Sonora has been with her protectors ever since. Sonora was a difficult child, as all child are, children are at some points. Sonora was moreover a difficult child because she often felt odd in the town of devout followers of Saren Ray. She always felt very disconnected from her parents, her siblings, and the town people's devotion to her. Nevertheless, Sonora politely went with her parents to chapel and helped the church as much as she could. When Sonora was ten, Elka gave birth to her younger sister, Mara. Mara is a sweet little girl who loves her odd-looking older sister. Sonora tried her best to love the little one as much as she could, especially since when Sen came along, Elka almost died. It was a painful period for Sonora as she desperately wanted to love her brother, but blamed him for the damage after his, her beloved mother's difficult delivery. Eventually, Sonora warms to the little troublemaker and loves her younger brother as well. When Sonora begins to show interest in becoming a member of the cloth, Tiev was excited and very open with her about clergy. However, Elka was a bit more reserved and spent more time showing Sonora how to fight instead of trying to share the good word with her as Tiev did. This simple change in how the two showed the life of a paladin or a cleric to Sonora she decided to follow down Tiev's path and become a cleric of Saren Ray. The story of Tiev Yaldrin. The story of Tiev Yaldrin starts simply. He is a half elf. His father was a human, his mother an elf. He was a shunned pregnancy, as his father did not intend to bed an elf. His mother raised him on his own until she tragically was killed by a man not unlike his father, someone who did not like elves, or rather, hated them. Tiev became a traveling cleric, searching for something from his god, who he had felt had wronged him and often fought her comforting presence as he traveled, crushing her as he went. He actually did not intend to end up in the town of Taros but ended up there when he was attacked by a band of bandits as he was traveling the roads. When he wakes, he finds himself in the care of a young paladin and the old village cleric. He and the young paladin are not the best of friends. At first, as the old cleric seems to dote on Tiev and welcomes him into the old cleric and paladin's home without a second thought. The young paladin has the name Elka Brightwood, although she is by no means bright or friendly. 
She's a serious young woman. Tiev is immediately spit, smitten by her attitude. The old cleric was her grandparent, who was behind the coupling from the beginning. The only one who was not into the idea of a relationship was Elka. She was happy to devote herself to keeping Taros safe and being ready to jump into the fray if a war arised. That did not stop the old cleric from putting them together every chance they got. Eventually, it is actually Tiev's sweet, babbler-mouthed personality that makes Elka fall in love with him. On one of the many errands the old cleric assigned them, Elka and Tiev are sent out of Taros on a week's journey, and Elka has to listen to Tiev fill her silence until it boils over, and she tells him to stop talking. Or most specifically, she shouts at him and asks why he can't shut his mouth once in a while. Mid-step, Tiev jolts to a halt, hanging his head. His silence surprises Elka, but not enough, so she shouts again, Well? Tiev pauses and quietly answers, It's to stop her voice. Elka is taken aback by his answer. She doesn't even speak, and they stand for a moment in painful silence. Tiev looks at a sigh, hikes up his bag, and runs an anxious hand through his hair. He brushes past Elka and continues on the path. Come on, we're so close. His voice is once again light and breezy. Elka never asked him what that meant or who the voice belonged to, but when they reach their destination, she does a lot of talking. She makes conversation as they go to inns, and when they make the week's journey back, she keeps talking about everything. Soon, there is only silence when the two are asleep or away from each other. Even when they head to the chapel with the old cleric, they still find a way to communicating, continue communicating. They end up being married shortly after and vowing to never let the other have any peace. When the old cleric dies, Tiev takes their place, becoming the resident cleric and finding a closeness to Saren Ray after Sonora is dropped in his lap. With Saren Ray's presence coming through strongly with this drow baby, this feeling of love and care over this baby made Tiev find his way back to Saren Ray, hence the child's name, Sonora. This is the story of Euphemia Tealeaf. Born in the outer city of Catacline to two younger halfling parents, Euphemia Euphie Tealeaf is a small, lightfoot halfling bard with the voice of a celestial. She has always strived to be a good person and treat everyone around her as they treat her. She loves people who are good and loves those who are bad. She wants to learn new songs to add to her quite large collection of oral histories and songs about a drow cleric from an age before her own. Such hits include, Sonora has a bad feeling about everyone. No one good talks like that. I knew this was going to happen. I told you so. Next time I say shackle someone, shackle them. Commonly referred to as Yuffie by her friends in the Moon City. Euphemia Tealeaf is a friend to all who meet her and is always eager to lend an ear to another. Not the best to carry on her beloved parents' tradition of baking. Eating, however, is her strong suit. She can easily put down food like a much larger being. She avoids those who are in bad company or act in bad company, believing that everyone deserves a chance, but not a second chance, if they choose to show their true colors to her. 
She has been given the task of adventuring to find her beloved lute, which she learned all the beautiful songs of the cleric on. She uses her mother's older lute, but it is not the same as the one she earned working years in her parents' bakery. She hopes to find the ass of a gnome who decided that they needed her instrument more than she did. She is still hopeful to gain appreciation because of her renderings of the songs she knows. And through that appreciation, find love in someone. She is confident someone will hear her songs and spread her name across the continent with all good words. The gnome she hates with all her might was a bard who sang well enough. He seemed to believe that if he took her lute, that he would sing better, or as good as she did. It has been ten years from when she last saw her lute, and wished that poor thing to be returned to her. The gnome was larger than most, perhaps the child of a mixture of a gnome and a dwarf. He was bearded with dark, dirty blonde hair and green glistening eyes. He wore a purple cloak that brushed the ground when he walked, and he spoke with a thick, thick accent. He had a charming smile that now pained Euphemia to her core. He was her love back then. They were from the same town and played in a troupe together, singing love songs until he portrayed her to succeed. She vowed to make sure, even if she did not find her beloved instrument, that he would hear her name when performing and know that she had bested him in the end. Warren Pock Torin will rue the day he decided to put himself above Euphemia Tealeaf. When Euphemia reached adulthood, she, invited, she was invo invited to join the Bards Guild, a large organization of bards throughout Maranar. Soon after she joined, she met the would-be love of her life, Pock. Their love was built through a playful rivalry that ended up causing romantic tension, then real tension. Of course, this affair ended when, out of jealousy, Pock stole Euphemia's beloved loot. She hasn't seen the bastard since. Euphemia speaks with a thick, halfling accent that is very Russian in sound. She has a tiny, high-pitched voice that makes her often mistaken for someone much younger than her years. She enjoys jokingly tricking people into believing that she is just a child which isn't hard for her to achieve with her small frame and adorable little face. Thanks for listening, guys. This is Pepper, and you're listening to Clustered. Bye!